it's a familiar sound for BART riders. But now we have the kind of news on noise that many have been waiting for. That's the sweet sound of grinding. In this case, the grinding of wheels on our legacy cars to implement a new profile that reduces wear and even more importantly, knocks some decibels off the BART screech. BART has hit a milestone with its wheel grinding efforts. Now more than half of the fleet has the advanced profile. On this edition of Hidden Track Stories from BART, we'll learn all about that new wheel profile as well as BART's long-term plan to bring you a quieter ride. And I'm now speaking with Ben Holland, a managing engineer here at BART, and I really appreciate you taking some time out to talk about the science of the screech. It's a subject a lot of people care about. Certainly, Chris. Uh, we're very uh, excited about this new technology and, uh, and how, how well so far it's done, and so uh, excited to just give you some information about, uh, about where we're at with it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot going on with this effort. I mean, it's something that the typical rider really does notice, how loud the train can be, and BART is starting to make some real progress when it comes to this, and it has a lot to do with the wheel profile. I, I think, first of all, for a lot of folks, they're not going to know necessarily what a wheel profile is is. What is that and, and how does it come into play when we're trying to provide a quieter ride? So um, yeah, so Chris, I just would like to clarify uh, the train wheels and the rails actually interact together as a system. So the effort to quiet the BART system uh, is really a partnership between our uh, rail car department and our track department. And that means that the shape of the wheel and the shape of the rail head together are critical to ensuring uh, safe and quiet operation. So to answer the question, the original BART wheel profile was like a, uh, you can consider it like a cylindrical section of pipe. And while the new profile is tapered uh, like a, you could consider like a curved barrel, all right? Um, if you can imagine that the, that the cylinder-shaped pipe rolling down a slight incline um, it really just wants to just go straight. It doesn't want to turn to the left. It doesn't want to the, turn to the right. It just really wants to just go straight. And that's what our original BART wheel uh, is like. Um, and so uh, whenever it would come to a turn, the wheel flange is really what makes that wheel turn and go around the curve, and that results in a lot of extra uh, wear. The new wheel shape uh, that we call the BT3 wheel profile um, tends to be uh, tends to want to self-center uh, between the rails and it even steers in the turns um, and so the result is much less wear and uh, noticeably less noise this is all easier said than done it typically takes a couple of hours to cut all eight wheels uh, to the new profile on a car using our specialized wheel cutting machines um, and also we have implemented a new rail grinding program to make sure that we get the most benefit from the new wheel profile. Yeah, and as you mentioned, one really does go with the other. It's not just about the wheel. The rail is also a critical part of this. But speaking of the wheel and, the, and this new profile and the, the grinding that's going on with the wheels to get this new profile, is this the sort of thing that's noticeable on the wheel? In other words, does it look different once it goes through that process? The shape of the wheel, if you still want to look at the, the cross section, I guess, is one way to look at it. It's very just flat, uh, looking at it on edge. The railhead has actually got a curve to it. Once we cut those wheels, you can actually see the, the shape of that profile interacting with the railhead in a completely different point. 
and uh, you really see it, it has kind of a conical appearance to it. Um, but it's very, and when you're looking on edge, you can, you can really notice that difference. Gotcha. So it's kind of a tapered effect. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. In so fact, we call it a modified taper because it's not precisely that. Uh, it is a computer generated profile, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it has very much a conical appearance to it. So how exactly does this make a difference? The wheel interacts with the rail and we talked about at this certain point, and you have wheels on both sides of the car, you can say, and the conical shape uh, allows them to, uh, as the wheel set goes around a curve, to naturally find its correct, you could say, diameter. So if you think about going around a curve, the rail on the outside of the curve is actually a longer distance than the rail on the inside of the mm -hmm. curve which means that if the wheel is going to go around the curve on the axle, that the inside wheel needs to be moving a little bit slower than the outside wheel. And with the conical-shaped wheel profile, we, the wheel actually, the wheel set actually finds its own center where the inside wheel will find a smaller radius on that taper and the outside wheel will find a larger radius on that uh, taper and you'll actually get some nice steering out of that and that's how we hope to and so far have shown to have reduced a lot of wear as a result of the new profile unlike the cylindrical profile which again just steers with the flange basically just rubbing against the edge of the of the railhead. I'm speaking with Ben Holland, a managing engineer here at BART, about the science of the screech and what BART is doing to try and provide you with a quieter ride. And you mentioned we're seeing some of the results. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're talking about maybe a few decibels here, maybe five decibels, maybe more, but that can really make a huge difference in terms of how the ear perceives it. Talk about the results that we're seeing and how significant they are. Yeah, so we're actually seeing 15 to 20 uh, dBA uh, sound pressure level improvement, and that really correlates well to the noise that we hear. Uh, of course, people react differently uh, to noise, but overall the feedback from our customers has been very positive. Uh, they've noticed the improvement, and our complaints uh, have been reduced dramatically as a result. Yeah, and that's a big difference, too. And I think one of the ways people can notice is they can actually have a conversation on our trains, maybe even in a tunnel where before that was a real challenge for some folks. Yeah, for sure. Tunnels are definitely the worst locations uh, just simply because the sound reverberates off the walls of the tunnel and then uh, reverberates onto the walls of the car and back and forth, and there's no place for the sound to really go. So, yeah, tunnels have always been a challenge for Barton, and now you're right. You can basically have that conversation, maybe not as if you're uh, in your living room, but it's still a much better experience. So as I understand, Bart's really been studying this for years and, and really even went so far as to do some sound mapping of the system. Tell me about that and what was found. Okay, so my understanding is that the track department has been doing routine uh, noise monitoring tests uh, for several years, both on the cars and in our neighborhoods. From the reports that I've seen now that we have transitioned a significant number of the wheels to the new profile, uh, the system is generally quieter, and some of the previously unbearable locations are actually now much quieter. 
Wow. And that's just a huge difference, especially in those key locations. As I understand, some of the design of this new wheel profile really traces its roots back to the fleet of the future. We know the new cars are going to have the new wheel profile, but there was also some effort from Bombardier in terms of design, and that really helped the process in terms of developing this new wheel profile. What can you tell me about that? So, sure. At first, it seemed that Bombardier uh, was just going to continue and be content with our original wheel profile. I think, you know, the risk was perceived to be low for them. Uh, It wasn't a contractual requirement that they go to a new wheel profile. But after about a year of into the design process, we learned that, in fact, they had uh, asked their experts in Germany to look at the wheel profile uh, to see if there was something that could be improved. And, in fact, they did. They came out and they looked at our system and uh, examined new rails, new wheels, worn wheels, worn rails, and really found that we call it a two-point contact, but they they observed this phenomenon of two-point contact was prevalent. And so they realized that, yes, there was probably something they could do. They went back and they did some uh, analysis and over several iterations eventually settled on a BT3 wheel profile. It is a unique computer-generated profile that optimizes the wheel and rail interaction, and for the most part, it's successful in uh, achieving single-point contact between the two. And that really is the key, is that point of contact, and really trying to limit uh, the damage, if you will, the corrugation that occurs because of that. And that's a term we'll get into a little bit later, but that that really is the big impact in this, isn't it? It's how the the wheel interacts with the rail, and, and even a subtle difference can go a long way in how it's perceived by our riders. That's correct. Corrugation is a complicated piece. We know that with two-point contact, it's a major contributor to the formation of corrugation. And so, yeah, we certainly believe that by going to this new wheel profile, we're going to have a dramatic uh, reduction in the formation of corrugation and therefore also the corresponding major reduction in noise. So Bombardier comes up with this new wheel profile. They use this new computer modeling that wasn't even available a few years ago to come up with it. It's quite a development, but that's not the end of it. From there, BART goes into action. We do all kinds of testing, and that testing was really with an eye towards safety and making sure that we weren't compromising anything when it came to the quality of the ride, the noise of the ride, but also the safety of the ride. Right. So in the case of... uh a wheel profile change. It's actually a very rare thing for any railroad to consider. Um, So to ensure that there were no doubts about the believability of the Bombardier simulations, uh, BART hired world-class experts to instrument a rail car. We we got what we call instrumented wheel sets um, that monitor just about every aspect of the wheels. And, uh, and we ran that car and those wheels all over our system to really collect as much data about that wheel-rail interaction so we could understand the effectiveness of that new wheel profile. Those consultants then took and analyzed all that data. They actually created their own independent model to, to corroborate the Bombardier simulations, and they were able to do that. And then we also had to consider our special track work. So throughout the BART network, uh, we have what we call frogs and switches and other special track work that help 
the trains negotiate uh, from one track to the other and into yards and pocket tracks and these other things. Over the years, we had developed special track work to accommodate our cylindrical profile. So we just needed to make sure that we were going to have a good interaction between the special track work and the BT3 profile. That, you could say, effort to go through and analyze the Bombardier proposal uh, really was a significant effort for BART. It took a couple years. It took quite a bit of money, um, and it was a very thoughtful effort to get us to that decision point. It's a huge decision, as I said, for any railroad, certainly a huge decision for BART, and one that's even being watched uh, by many people in the industry worldwide. And so we continue to monitor very closely how the wheels and rails are wearing because we want to be able to ensure that not only was that decision a good one when we made the decision, but does the decision continue to be a good one as we transition the fleet to that new profile? Yeah, and at the bottom line, at this point at least, we're providing a quieter ride, but we're not sacrificing anything when it comes to safety. Certainly, that is absolutely correct. Our first and foremost thought is uh, to ensure that we have safe operation. In fact, that was the main consideration of the consultants. They weren't even considering whether or not the wheel profile was going to be quieter uh, their focus wasn't in, in any way on the comfort of the passengers, but primarily how, what's the ride quality of the new profile relative to the industry standards. And, you know, there's some pretty sophisticated physics associ- associated with understanding whether or not, you know, those interactions are safe. And everything was proven to be well within industry norms and well within the safe limits uh, as prescribed by, by, the, by known industry practice. I'm speaking with Ben Holland, a managing engineer here at BART, about the science of the screech. And Ben, we've talked a lot about the wheel profile, but that really is only half of the equation. The other part, of course, that's equally important is the rail. And BART's taking action when it comes to trying to get our rails to interact in the best way possible with this new tapered wheel profile. Tell us what's happening on that front. So our track department has begun an equally ambitious effort to grind the rails to maximize the benefit of the new wheel profile. So it's our understanding that the transition will take up to six years for the wheel and the rails to, in essence, wear together. And so during that time, uh, we'll continue to monitor and adjust our efforts to make sure that we're doing everything possible uh, to make sure that we have the best transition. We talked about corrugation a little bit earlier, but that really is the concern here. Describe a little bit for someone who maybe has never heard that word before, what exactly is corrugation, and how does it come into play when we're talking about noise? Corrugation is a very complicated phenomenon. What causes corrugation at one railroad may not cause corrugation at another railroad, Uh, and usually that's because it takes a combination of factors for it to form. So at BART, we know that our cylindrical profile results in the two-point contact, and that is for sure an instigator of corrugation. So two-point contact means that likely one of the two points is fixed while the other one is slipping, and that reversal of sticking and slipping results over time in the formation of corrugation. But there are also many other possible reasons for corrugation. It could be 
in how the rail is supported. It could be on either soft supports or firm supports. BART has experimented with many different ways of supporting the rail. There's also the spacing between the supports can have an effect. There's a, a vibration dynamic aspect of the speed of the train relative to its weight. It's whether the cars are accelerating or braking. So there's, you know, those dynamic forces. Lots of many different almost uncertain factors that all come into play and really you know we've had many different experts that come and says oh i know why you have corrugation and and they'll say well it's because of this and you'll have another guy come and he'll say oh you have corrugation because of something else and so on and so forth so so i just want to make clear we know that the two-point contact is a major contributor we expect that by addressing that major contributor will have a significant impact and reduction to corrugation. But does that mean that corrugation will always, uh, it will never come back to the district? Uh, we cannot say that. Sure. No, um, and that's realistic too. And does the new wheel profile, does that help? Does that in a way, certainly not eliminate, but does it make it uh, does it make it a situation where the corrugation doesn't become as significant as quickly? Definitely. So what we've mon- what we've observed so far, at least, is that the formation and growth of corrugation is happening over a much much slower period of time. And really, so we have uh, when I at the very beginning we talked about the roles of of the vehicle maintenance and the track maintenance. The track guys are monitoring certain key sections of the rail, and part of that is to understand what is that growth of corrugation over time. What is causing the that growth of corrugation. And there's other remedies that can be applied. It's not just this uh, wheel-rail profile interaction. It can also be uh, affected through friction modifiers, either applied directly to the wheels or to the rail. So there's, uh, it's a, it is a very complicated phenomenon. Again, it's, you know, but it is something that, that we as a team, both the rail side and the and the vehicle side are looking at to try to to make sure that we can improve things for our customers. Sure, and I would imagine with the rail grinding process, there are challenges with that. If for no other reason than we have a system that extends for some 112 miles, we have rail that goes in both directions, so double that, and yet when can it actually occur? We have a very limited time when it comes to when trains are not running that this sort of work can take place. Yeah, that's a great question. Where we find the corrugation the most and the worst is in places where we we call it direct fixation and that means that the ra- that the track or the rail is mounted directly to concrete slab uh, that's going to be in our tunnels that's going to be at our stations that's going to be in our aerial structure and that actually makes up about i think about 54 55% of the system so over half our system is direct fixation and prone to corrugation it's worse in the tunnels to the people to our riders to the people inside the trains and it's worse to our neighbors on the aerial structures because the sound just rings out into the neighborhoods uh, free so by solving the corrugation issue uh, it can make a lot of people hopefully much happier yeah, and you mentioned earlier, and I thought this was really interesting, that for what BART is doing here, this is something that is pretty rare in the transit agent industry. You don't see a lot of agencies taking this step of adapting a new wheel profile, changing the way that the wheel and the rail interact. 
how difficult of a decision was it for BART to, to go in this direction if it's something that's that's so rare in the industry? So that was one of the reasons why we were both compelled and seemed that it was appropriate that we would take the step of hiring these world-class uh, consultants to come in and verify that all the simulations and the pre predictions were correct uh, and not just presume that they were. And also just in terms of documenting the history of how that decision uh, was made to ensure that we examined the risk. And so at the, at, you could say we came to what we call a decision point and actually prepared a decision document that, uh, all, that most of the heads of the BART operations uh, agreed to and signed, kind of almost like a declaration of independence. Mm -hmm. But there was a decision document that required all of our chiefs to really agree that this was, in fact, the correct decision. And uh, it was only then that we decided to, to move forward. And that moving forward included the responsibilities for the, the track side of the house was going to be and the, and the vehicle side. The vehicles side, we were going we're gonna to monitor a certain number of vehicles, and the track side is going to monitor certain key sections of the rail, and we're going to meet quarterly to make sure that that exchange of information between these two departments, which historically in most railroads never communicate, but we have a very good working relationship, and we make sure that uh, you know we communicate these, so that that original decision has been validated and continues to be validated at each quarterly meeting, and we make sure that our system is safe and and good for our customers. Yeah, and that communication has to be so critical. And I like what you said, sort of a declaration of independence from noise, if you will, for Bard. I mean, it's a huge yeah. step. And now that this process is well underway, more than half of the wheels have been switched over to this new profile, are outside transportation agencies looking at BART and taking a look at what we're doing? And maybe there's an opportunity for, for others to learn from what we're going through. I can't speak for other agencies, but I do know that this is a very, a very important topic in the, in the wheel rail and the railroad industry. Annually, there is a wheel rail interface conference, in fact, that uh, in essence covers this exact topic. And uh, you'll have representatives from freight railroads, you'll have representatives from passenger railroads. Um, and there are still a handful of railroads that have a cylindrical profile. Chicago, for example, uh, still has a cylindrical profile. And they were very interested in just the most recent wheel rail interface conference. Uh, interaction conference to um, understand what did BART do? How did what were the steps that BART took? Is this something that could maybe help them both from a maintenance cost, but also from a, a customer performance? The Muni, uh, San Francisco Muni, is transitioning currently their fleet to a tapered profile, as we said, and they're looking at uh, you know what could be the potential benefits. There's always pros and cons of any decision, and you have to know both. We feel that on our side at BART, we took the correct steps to understand what those risks are, understand what our benefits are, 
and our monitoring and taking the proper steps. So, and, and we hope that uh, that we can be an example to others in the industry. Yeah, and it's already paying off with the number of complaints about noise going down at a pretty significant rate. As we look forward now, progress has already been made, but obviously there's still work to be done. Give us a sense for time frame here, especially when it comes to the wheel profile. How long until uh, we get all of our legacy fleet converted to this new wheel profile? Right, so Chris, we're, uh, we're about 54, 55% of the way through the fleet. At the current rate of our conversion, uh, we expect to be over 90% by December of this year, 2018. And then that'll leave uh, some handful of stragglers that will likely get carried, you know, completed over the next uh, few months after that. And so, yeah, we're, we'll have a significant, most of the entire fleet done this year. Yeah, and then, of course, the fleet of the future already has this, so BART riders, it sounds like, are, are going to have to get used to a quieter ride. That's for sure, for sure. There is going to be some transition time. Uh, we are, you know, there is a six-year kind of overall transition that the whole system has to go through where we really monitor where our system, where the new wear points are versus where it was wearing in the in the past. And so it may take several years to achieve the ultimate goal, but kind of the, I, you, I suppose you could say the 80-20, you know, we're going to get 80% of the benefit right up front uh, in terms of that uh, noise and wear improvement. Ben Holland, Managing Engineer here at BART at the forefront of the fight against the screech. Thanks so much for taking time to speak with us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate the time. Yes. And thank you for listening to Hidden Tracks, Stories from BART. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course at our website, bart.gov podcasts.